it's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gut. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, and friend request, and I will probably give you one in turn. Not here to talk what else but wrestling and problems. I do not see Chris Best right now, so I can only assume... He was murdered and then set on fire while celebrating his birthday. Not Chris, because he, no. he told me he had the big black one. I don't know how that would be relevant to whether or not he was murdered or not, but he's not available at the moment. Maybe he'll check in later. Maybe he won't. Who knows? Brian is also missing, so maybe he'll check in later. Maybe he won't either. I was not told about him possibly being murdered, though, so I'll hold off on the assumption of that. But anyway, if it's just me, I'll talk wrestling and problem with you. We got some Joy Ryan talk that I apologize for. We didn't get to last week, but I meant to. We talked about some of the other uh, people with issues in the industry last week. We talked about Jack Gallagher, but we did not talk, did discuss Joy Ryan's stuff, so I meant to get to that last week. We will get to it this week. We also got some news about WrestleMania as well. We got some thoughts on uh, the draft picks that have taken place in WWE so far, as well as uh, WrestleMania probably going to be moving to a different location. So we got a lot to talk about in the world of wrestling, and we'll get into that in just a bit. Of course, we had that big dog collar match in AEW last week as well. So all these thoughts are potential concerns. We also got some uh, sad news about uh, Scott Hall as well. So in just a bit, we'll be talking wrestling and problems in just a bit. You're listening to Wrestling Problems? Hold on a couple minutes. We'll be back soon. Hey, this is a Total Package. Lex Luger, you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In the Room. Every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? 
Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Dylan, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Steins of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. And welcome back to Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. King David Lane on most social media platforms. Give me a like, follow, friend request, and I'll give you one in return. So it's King David Comedy. That's coming with a K on most social media platforms. So give me a like, follow, friend request there, too. Um, I'm here to talk what else but wrestling. Uh, we do want to give you some heads up. So if you want to get some further information on some of the things we're going to discuss today, I want to thank SE Scoops for the links regarding WrestleMania moving uh, the updated WWE rosters after the supplemental draft, and as well as this news regarding Scott Hill, I'm going to talk about in a bit. I also want to thank PW Mania for the Joy Ryan lawsuit information, and as well. So uh, definitely uh, support those sites. They, they provide some good links and some good news. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into the AEW dog collar match. So, uh, this past Wednesday night on Dynamite, uh, they did the 30 Years of Jericho special, as well as they had this great... Uh, Dog color match featuring Brody, uh, Brody Lee, uh, the leader of the Dark Order, versus uh, Cody Rhodes, who was making his return. Well, actually, Cody, because he's not technically allowed to use Rhodes just yet, but Cody. Although, if you follow him on Twitter, he's still Cody Rhodes there. But at any rate, they did a dog color match, and it was a decent amount of blood in this match. I do want to say for the record, I sort of had the match spoiled for me because I did not watch it live, so I knew Cody won. I was aware going in the fact that uh was supposed to be a good amount of blood in it. I saw, I believe it was Dave Meltzer who posted about it. Uh, I can't be 100% sure. It might have been Dave Meltzer. It might have been Dave Shearer. <laughs> but anyway, I, I saw uh, one of them post about it uh, on Twitter accidentally. So going in, I was expecting a lot of blood. I was expecting it to be like, very, very gratuitous amount. There was some blood in the match for me, but it did not feel like it was a, a crazy excessive amount, especially in some of the 
amounts of blood we've seen in previous matches. For the most part, it looked like they uh, both Brody and Cody uh, bladed during the match. But by the end of the match, I don't think either one was bleeding very, very much. So it did not feel that gratuitous to me. Obviously, in a pandemic, you also might have a little bit of a sta- different standard of your appetite for blood and whether or not you think it's safe or not. I thought it was weird that the referee was wearing one glove during a match as well. <laughs> I guess they were only concerned about the blood on the, getting blood on one hand. But actually having watched the match, the blood did not seem that crazy amount if you're just watching it from a uh, squeamish factor. Uh, everybody, I assume, has been tested for COVID repeatedly, uh, so I'm, I don't think that's that much of an issue. Plus, as we're starting to see, you know, the touch is less the issue as opposed to the breathing. So odds are if you're going to get COVID, you're not going to get it from somebody's blood. You're going to get it from... Uh, from the breathing, that close contact for that uh, period of time. But again, with the amount of testing you're doing, hopefully that won't be a problem, even though still technically, you know, you still can risk it because COVID just shows whether you have it, whether you've tested positive at that point, but you could still have it going back a few days. So I don't think the blood added any significant extra risk to it, unless you're actually drinking the blood or putting the blood in your mouth, what I would assume most people would not want to do. Although, you know, I guess this is ECW back in the late 90s, early 2000s. might be a little bit different, too. But it's not. Overall, I thought it was a, I thought it was a very good match. I wouldn't quite call it legendary. I do need to go back, because I'm going to be honest, I have not watched the Roddy Piper, Greg uh, Valentine doll cover match. I'm definitely going to seek that out sometime this week and check it out so I can have a comparison. Uh, but that rep- that match has a reputation as being the greatest dog collar match and very, very brutal. This match was definitely a strong, tough match, but I don't know if it was like legendarily brutal the way, uh, on par the way the Greg Valentine Roddy Piper match has been discussed in a lot of ways. I also do want to say, though, the announcers did a great job of selling the match. They had Greg Valentine in the crowd. Tony Schiavone did a good job selling it. Talking about how brutal it is, Jr. did a good job feeling how brutal it is as far as you know. Talking about how the the steel and the chain and the welts and the cuts, you know, all the problems it creates, you know, the, the measure of soreness and whatnot that you get from the match. So the announcers did a great job of telling the story of what this match truly meant. And the fact that again that it was for a title that helped make it important. The fact that it was a rematch helped make it important. Cody did a great job selling the previous, uh, doing a previous promo where he's like, are you going to accept Brody's challenge for this match? When he said no, and then he walked back. I was like, because literally everybody was shocked when he said no, he's not going to accept the challenge. And then he came back with no regrets and as well as other no whatnot thoughts. So he did a great job of, you know, you know, doing a little swerve there and coming back coming in hot. The match was good. Both men are very, very talented guys. I'm not a huge individual fan of Cody's work just in the ring. Not that he's terrible. It's just he doesn't really do anything to excite me for the most part. He's solid overall, but he just doesn't really do it for me normally. But um, when you put him with the right guy, and Brody Lee was definitely the right guy for this, I think he does a great job. He does a great job on the mic and a great job with his character work, don't get me wrong. But just like, if you just like, if you just put Cody Rose in a match for me uh, and there was no storyline, I probably wouldn't be all that interested. Unlike, you know, some of the other guys on the AEW roster. But again, that's not 
a slight on him. That's just how I feel. Overall, though, as far as his, you know, mind for the business and his ability to tell stories and his character work since he's been able to sort of do his own thing has been great. I'm just making the, I'm not trying to down him in any way. I'm trying to put the proper perspective on what I admire about him, what I don't care for as much, or, you know, what's on a different plane. <coughs> but, he's, but he's definitely a very, very important guy within the business and he's done a great job so I, I, I appreciate what he's done, brought to the business over the last couple of years and helping get AEW off the ground but again overall this was a very very good match they did a great job with it and hats off to him like I said for those people who might be a little bit squeamish like I can see why people might be squeamish and also during a pandemic do you really want to do a really really bloody match again probably wasn't the best idea but again, realistically, from what we know about the disease now, that pr- it probably didn't add that much as far as risk factor to it. At any rate, uh, let's move on to some of the other stuff from AEW Dynamite. They did have the big, uh, the big uh, 30 Years of Jericho. They had some very, very interesting celebrity uh, cameos and interviews that went, went along with it. Slash showed up. For a second, I was confused who the hell Ted Irvine was, and then I remembered. Oh uh, crap! I can't. I forgot that. I, I forgot that's Jericho's dad because I was wondering why this guy is wearing this. Like I think it was Rangers stuff. So I was confused for a second. I was like, oh crap! I forgot that's his dad. I was like, why is this old guy <laughs> and his Rangers stuff on there? But oh yeah, that's his dad. I, it took me a second to to remember. Oh yeah. Uh, so that was fun. I think they had Shaq as well. A few other celebrities, you know, popped in and uh, sort of give Jericho the rub. They had some of the other wrestlers uh, sort of pop in. They had uh, Jungle Boy uh, and I believe uh, Proud and Powerful as well do some stuff for him. And this all sort of led to this uh, the match, the big match he had. Uh, he actually ended up uh, having a tag match with Jake Hager. Because uh, they've been sort of doing a tag team thing now for a while. They ended up fighting uh, Cast Projects, Luther, and Serpentico's uh, team. Uh, very, very solid match. Uh, although I think Luther, Luther had a little bit of a problem. He was a little bit shaky when he climbed the rope. He had another spot that I believe he slipped as well as far as when he was climbing something or he was jumping. So that wasn't necessarily his best work, but he, you know, is a guy that's like, you know, another guy that's almost 50, you know, <laughs> still is still overall was a solid match. He, like that wasn't necessarily his best work probably. And it kind of sucked that this was sort of his big moment for the first time he's been on sort of the national stage when he's running a department role and he didn't actually do his best, but he wasn't terrible. It was just, uh, those were some, a couple of very, very noticeable spots. Uh, but overall, like I said, uh, it was you know it was a very very solid match. Uh, it was kind of fun to watch guys that've been feuding for almost 30 years. They hadn't really fought, I don't think, recently though. But you know they had when you when you have that sort of legacy, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting and fun to watch. So uh, and it, later on, they ended up having this thing where uh, Jericho sort of did his great speech after his match, talking about you know. Uh, how great it has been to been in the business that long ago. It was almost like a face promo. But then, of course, MJF came up and interrupted it. And he came out and uh, decided he was going to give Jericho a gift. The gift was a clown, which was <laughs> freaking ridiculous. Reminded me of sort of a, the Mick Foley Vince McMahon thing uh, back from the Attitude Era. 
so they had that. And then on top of it, he had a gift that the clown was holding, so he opened up the gift. It was a picture of MJF. Jericho took the picture and crashed it over the clown's head, told MJF, don't you ever interrupt me again. <laughs> I hate clowns. So he just stared at MJF. MJF was pissed that he destroyed the picture. Jericho was pissed and interrupted. Then they just sort of stared at each other for a while. Then they both started started laughing. <laughs> you almost had me. You almost got me, blah, blah, blah. So that was a cool moment. Either we're going to get a thing where MJF does join Inner Circle or they're just going to feud and not join. But either way, either way it goes, eventually there's going to be MJF Jericho feud one way or another. It doesn't matter whether or not he joins Inner Circle first or not. But I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, this this has been some uh, sort of fun stuff with, like, Sammy Guevara not getting his jacket. <laughs> and he's still like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get you your jacket. I'm going to get you your jacket. So that's been pretty funny to watch. Uh, MJF is, like, probably the best, you know, sort of pure heel in the business on national television right now. I guess the only the only competition for him, which is surprisingly, now as you think about it, for top heels right now, you got The Fiend. Maybe you got Roman Reigns. You got Jericho, of course. Although Jericho's playing a little bit more of a tweener role, it seems like these days. He might, you know, people are singing along to his music. Uh, his promo, his promo was almost like a face promo. So, uh, but still, I don't think he's officially turned face though. So, at any rate, uh, overall, it was like it was a very, very good dynamite to watch. We also got the news that. Uh, Orange Cassie will be facing Cody Rhodes for the TNT title next week on Dynamite, which is technically this week now that I think about it. But they said next week on the show. So uh, this week's show is looking very, very promising as well. They did a sort of great job building up Orange Cassie from just, you know, a little bit of a sort of cartoon character, almost comedy wrestler to actually being a serious contender. They actually did it a little bit faster than I expected them to do it. I expected it to be a little bit of a longer build. But now that I think about it, the company has been around for like a year now. And it took them, I'd say, probably 10 months or so when they started building it up. So it's still a bit of the sort of long-term storytelling, I guess. But overall, like I said, I, I like what they dealt with them. I, this is something I would still like to see, though. Uh, not necessarily immediately, but eventually. I would like to see... Uh, Orange Cassidy and uh, Trent Beretta and uh, Chuck Taylor lose a loser needs to leave town match. It could just be loser leaves town for 90 days, though. And then I would like to see them come back to the ant, ant colony for a while. Uh, shades up like the the machines, I believe it was the mass. It was the machines in the WWF back in the eighties. that sort of did that sort of gimmick where you have to leave town and come back in a mask. Obviously, there was the Captain, uh, there was the uh, Captain USA that Hulk Hogan did back in the day. It was uh, the machines with Andre the Giant, some other guys back in the WWF in the eighties. I believe it was the Mask Riders or the Midnight Riders. I can't remember if it was the Midnight Riders or Mask Riders, but anyway, that was the NWA with Dusty Rhodes. Uh, back in the mid-80s. So I, li- I like to see the Ed Conley do that. It would be like sort of that with, with a combination of the, the comedy relief of them guys. I had heard 
notes and stuff about some stuff they did back when they had comedy back in the day, back in Orange Cassidy's earlier career. So I would like to see that. So I didn't really have a chance to check it out, but I think they could do some really funny stuff with that. So uh, I would definitely like to see that take place. But again, not immediately. I'd still like to see what else Orange Cassidy can sort of do with this gimmick at the moment on the main roster in AEW, as opposed to just, you know, immediately going back through some of their indie work. Uh, I do want to see it eventually, though. But anyway, that covers my talk for AEW. Uh, so I definitely want to uh, definitely want to uh, get into some other stuff. Uh, for instance, the Joy Ryan lawsuit, which is a problem that sort of pisses me off. Uh, it's really concerning to me as far as that goes. So I want to uh, get in that. We talked about Jack Gallagher and some of the other uh, issues that we had uh, back in the day as far as uh, uh, the other uh, talent, some of the speaking out movement and the, uh, the Me Too movement, which sort of collided in the wrestling sense. But uh, Joey Ryan is actually going to be suing some of his accusers. And I do want to apologize. I just had a little bit of a glitch. This <laughs> of my equipment unplugged. <laughs> That's why it you know, took me a little bit of a time to uh, get myself together just there. But uh, Joey Ryan is suing several of his accusers. Uh, and like I said, I want to again thank PW Mania for this initial information regarding the, uh, the lawsuits. He's filed a multi-million dollar defamation lawsuit against his accusers from the Speaking Out movement. Uh, this is why Impact Wrestling uh, got rid of him in June. There is a defamation lawsuit against the movement allegations because Ryan doing his Speaking Out movement and was filed September 24th in the United States District and Central Court. Ryan claims the women made false allegations against him, resulting in damages to his reputation and his livelihood. He claims he lost upwards of $20,000 in monthly income from various sources since the allegations were made public, including revenue from live event bookings, merchandise, uh, Patreon, Cameo, and Twitch. There was also uh, something released, healbynature.com on the website, where they uh, detail the lawsuit, so you can go by that and check that out as well. But again, here's a brief rundown on some of the claims he's making. Uh, one, social media and revenue loss. Lost followers on his Twitter account, at least 11,000 followers. And it's no longer getting 1,000 followers per month as played of his prior two defense statements. Lost followers on Instagram account, 8,000 followers and no longer get, getting 1,000 followers per month. Lost venues for his bar wrestling promotions, including Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles, American Legion Hall in Bowen Park, and Glass House in Pomona. Lost revenues from bar wrestling in an amount of $1,500 per month from distribution and streaming services, as well as $2,000 per event with two events per month. Lost revenues from merchandising in an amount of $1,000 a month. Lost revenues in Patreon account in an amount of $3,000 a month. <clears throat> lost revenues in his Cameo account in an amount of $500 per month. And lost revenues from Twitch in amount of one thousand per month plus prescriptions, subscription shares, and subscription subscribers. Lost revenues from wrestling performance bookings of eight thousand to ten thousand a month. He is looking for a resolution to the matter, including payment for economic and non-economic damages, as well as accusers retract, delete any defamatory statements made against him. Seeking monetary relief. So there's two hundred thousand in economic damages. Five million as to each of the defendants and non-academic damages. 
order an injunction permanently restraining and joining defense as set forth in claim seven, including preventing defendants from making and publishing defamatory statements and any iteration of defamatory statements as set forth above and herein, as well as ordering defendants to re- retract defamatory statements as set forth above and herein, ordering defendants to direct any and all websites to defendants posted defamatory statements as set forth above and herein, blah, 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 costs, investigatory fees, and fees to the first provided by the law. And again, add to that to close out some of Timmy and all the reasons defendants and each of them malice, hatred, ill will, despicable, and intentional acts. Awarding plaintiffs such additional and further relief as court deems just and proper. Uh, now, when you're accused of multiple rapes and you assume these accusers, I would have, like I said, I want to be honest. Everybody deserves their day in court if they're being charged criminally. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it just because somebody makes an accusation that makes it the truth. But based on what he's admitted to and not behaving in a proper manner, based on what his character is, <laughs> being a sleazy scumbag, having people grab his dick in wrestling matches, and, and him admitting that he did some stuff, although he didn't admit to rape, he admit that he's behaved in a proper manner. This seems not only over the top, it seems ridiculous. Uh, he seems to be a scumbag, and I'll just say it allegedly so I can't get sued. <laughs> he seems to be a scumbag, allegedly. He seems to be a terrible guy, allegedly. He seems like human fecal matter, allegedly. <laughs> it's disgusting that he's suing these people, and these women, when it seems like he basically has been a piece of crap his <laughs> for most of his wrestling career, abusing people and doing heinous stuff to people based on allegations against him. So I root nothing. For, I root nothing but the best for him. I root nothing but the worst for him. In fact, I don't root anything good to happen to him. Nothing but bad stuff. So if you can imagine something bad happening to somebody, I root for it to happen to him. <laughs> Say you shouldn't wish ill on people. No, if you're a garbage person, I root on for you. I don't root ill on people for their religious beliefs. I don't even risk, root ill on people for their political beliefs. I don't root ill on people for their sexuality, for their. Uh, Ethnicity for their nationality. I root ill of people who do bad stuff to other people. So I root for nothing for the worst to happen to him. So anyway, gonna go ahead and uh, bring in a couple guests for the show. Coming up after this commercial break, we're gonna have a very very special guest, long time, uh, long time guest to the show. Jordan Garber is gonna check in just after this commercial break. You're listening to Wrestling Pops, and we'll be back in just a bit. This is Lance Storm, and if I can be serious for a minute, you're listening to VOC Nation Worldwide. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts also include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Works, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. Both shows take callers live during the show, and recent guests have included... General Adnan, 
Tito Santana, Haku, Earl Hebner, Danger Sandy Davis, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Brodus Clay, and so many more. Archive free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We've excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. The morning after, right here on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Brady Hicks and... Homeboy Rap Boy here. I tell you what, we got a good show right here in the afternoon at 12 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time on the VOC Nation. Talking wrestling, football, news, whatever's going on in the world today. VOCNation.com. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. And welcome back to Wrestling with Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, and frame request, and I'll give you a return. And I am now joined by Jordan Gerber, a longtime friend of the show. How's it going, Jordan? Well, it is great to be here for one. You know, I uh, have a great history with the network, and I always tune in each and every week, and I always hear you guys wrestle these problems and overcome them. So it's uh, great to be a contributor once again. Well, it's good to have you back. And like I said, we're definitely dealing with probably the biggest problem in wrestling in recent history uh, <laughs> right now with the coronavirus and the way it's affecting not only the major brands but the indies. Uh, live wrestling most came to a complete shutdown for like a few months the bigger companies started coming back and then like some of the indies started coming back and like outside shows and beach shows and socially distance. So uh, how are things going on your end for that? Are you able to start to come back and do some shows yet? Or are you still like trying to get back into it? Well, you know, as a podcaster, you know, I feel like my shows have been stronger than ever. Uh, I really enjoy doing them. And I feel like it, it, the podcast market is increasing in value in terms of professional wrestling as maybe the live crowds may be decreasing because obviously there's no way to build a big audience, whether that's online. And I feel like um, my, my show's been increasing because more people are advancing to the Internet and other forms of media along those lines. So it has its positives from an online sort, uh, sort of standpoint, but, like, if this was the territories or anything, like, wrestling would be underwater right now. And uh, it's good that technology is, you know, keeping it in place and, uh, as for that, I have been doing more podcasts actually than ever. So that's always been a good thing. Okay. And just to remind everybody, what is your name of your podcast and what is the preferred way you let people get to it? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jordan Garber now is uh, available every single Friday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. You can also go to BOCNation.com and listen to some of the archives as well. Uh, those are some of our really early episodes on BOCNation.com. You can listen to the likes of our interviews with Mr. Kennedy and Santino Morella. So uh, be sure to check that out. But uh, it's not about my podcast. It's about contributing to others as well and uh, just uh, doing as many shows as possible and creating a memory each time. You know, it's always good to make a good impression. But, um, you know, what what do you think the coronavirus has created a depression on in terms of an era in wrestling? It's a whole new era. When the coronavirus is over, are asses going to be in seats or are there going to be seats needing to be filled? What do you think? Well, at first, I think it would depend on how you define coronavirus being over, because it seems like the best case scenario for coronavirus being over, and I'm using over in quotation marks, is, is there's a vaccine that works really, really well. The, the virus does not, you know, mutate into another form. We need another uh, vaccine created. Uh, it would have to be like, you know, a combination of vaccine with vaccine with also treatment for people who manage to still get it because even though it's a vaccine, everybody's not going to take the vaccine. There'll be some people who can't take the vaccine. There'll be some people who refuse. So we need some combination of vaccine uh, and then also as well as you still having quality treatments for it. Uh, some of the treatments that have been developed recently do look pretty promising. So Ideally, you know, vaccines will help create herd immunity for it for a while, uh, and as well as having those good treatments for people who either can't uh, take the vaccine, refuse to take the vaccine, or, you know, whatever reasons. So that would be the first step. But even when that happens, and hopefully, you know, we can get that going by the, I'd say probably yes. the middle of next year, because even when they first announced it, they're like, hey, this is not going to be a quick process. This is going to be year and a half to two year process. So best case scenario after 18 months would be, the, would be the middle of next year, people will start trickling back. But I think regardless, even once things start opening up, if we are, if we ever quote past this, it's going it, to, even when you are allowed to have things fully open, I don't think everybody's going to come back immediately. I don't think some people are ever going to completely go back to it. I think some people have sort of gotten used to the sort of being in the bubble and quarantining, so they'll be spending more time at home. So I don't think it'll be a situation where everybody just rushes out immediately. I, I do think that there'll be a lot of people that are hungry to get back out and do things. So I think there will be definitely be some demand. Will the demand reach what it was uh, directly before the coronavirus? Uh, who knows? On top of it, you know, demand was sort of going down, at least within the WWE brand, for some time prior to that. So AEW will probably maintain its fan base at where it was. I think some of the more popular indies will sort of maintain the fan base where it was at. Uh, and I also think there'll be like a big sort of rush initially once things, you know, have calmed down and are deemed safe. But the thing is, once people get back to sort of doing what they were used to doing, it will there'll be a dip off in demand again afterwards after everybody sort of gorges himself for a while, because there'll be that temptation to go out and party and do all the stuff you want to do. But once you do that, well, you can still continue to be wanting to do it the same way. So I think that'll be an issue as well. So we, it'll it'll have to be a long term process that we look at. We can't just look at okay, what happens immediately because, like I said you might either have everybody rushing out to do stuff at first and that might give you a false impression or you might have people reluctant to come back and that might give you a false impression. So I think it'll really take one or two years 
when we're quote passive to get a true view on how things are really, really, really going. We can't just judge by that first week, that first month, or those first couple of months. We have to really get a long, sustained process of seeing what the quote new normal is. So, what are your, what are your thoughts? No, I agree. I, I, I can, I can certainly uh, relate on. No, I can totally relate on in terms of that standpoint. It's something that you got to just take one day at a time. And uh, if you don't take it just one day at a time, then it's just an overwhelming thing, uh, thought of mind. So I feel like, you know, a lot of promotions right now are handling this really well and still putting on uh, online shows for the audience, which is awesome. You know, I've watched tons of those shows, and a lot of them still deliver a great value. So I think it's just a, in terms of adjusting to a new era and the taking the right time to find that vaccination so not just one person is safe, but everyone is safe, if you know what I mean. Yep, like like, like I said, because you, you have to be concerned not just about the talent, but you also need to be concerned about the audience. So those are both concerns. You figure the audience might be, uh, if it, if they're spread out and they're wearing masks right now, uh, that would be one thing. So that that's a little bit easier to manage as far as the talent. Obviously, as a talent, you need to test them regularly because you know there is really no way to socially distance and to wrestle. <laughs> uh, it's not like baseball where you know you have that sort of natural thing built in. It's not even like, you know, football where you, you might only be in contact for a few seconds and then you sort of spread out again. Wrestling, you're going to be up close and personal, you know, for normally I'd say 10 to 20 minutes depending on, you know, whatever the match is. Obviously, it's the main event. might be even close to an hour, but you, get, you definitely got to test and do what you can. And also, it's not just about what you do at the events, too. It's about uh, being responsible when you're in your everyday life because, you know, honestly, I think – with all the testing that goes place, at least for the responsible companies that are doing it, that's not your main risk. Your main risk is what you're doing in, in your everyday life. Because if everybody, you know, everybody in regular life is not being tested, everybody you hope in your company, if you're a wrestler, is being tested. So you kind of know if there's a situation there, hopefully. But everyday life, you don't have the same measures being taken. So you want to be careful in that aspect of your life as well. Exactly, yeah, and it goes a lot of ways in everyday life. You know, it's, it's you got you got to handle it right because you know all of us have jobs, all of us need to uh, put food on the table and keep our lights on. So, uh, you know, I, I'm gratefully enough I can work from home, and if something like bad happens, I can work from home. It's a drag to set up, but some people don't have that option. You know, especially our frontline workers who you have to thank, and I feel like they they get screwed in the end because you know if they're they're one person gets the virus and their store closes down, then they're out of a job. You can't work from home at, like, Walmart, right? So uh, it's just all about spreading awareness. What are some ways that WWE and AEW can prevent, um, like, uh, positive test results in their talent? Because the more talent that gets that positive test result, the more that affects their TV taping and production. So what are some ways they can minimize that? Oh yeah, that, that that does remind. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But you did ask me a question earlier, and I didn't fully answer it. So I'll, let me, let me answer that part, and then I'll get to that part. Uh, you you asked earlier as far as you know how coronavirus sure. is affecting this era of wrestling. Uh, part of part of it that I meant to answer that I didn't get around to because I sort of got off topic a little bit. You know, as I gave them my answer is 
this era is going to reflect the coronavirus a lot in our understanding of the, the virus and what kind of precautions you need to take. Because you got to remember, when they first decided that they were going to go back to shooting, uh, WWE was not letting the uh, audience members that they first put in the audience, those, those performances, times, they were not letting them wear masks. And it took an outbreak within the WWE to realize, hey, we should let the talent wear masks. So you'll see the first couple of events for WWE early on into coronavirus, you see literally nobody in the audience at all. Then after a couple months, you see the performance and talent there not wearing masks. Then after they had that outbreak, you see the performance uh, center talents there wearing masks. Then from there, you see the performance, you see the Thunderdome building, and then eventually they actually did actually uh, just have fans there as far as digitally. Uh, in AEW, you sort of see something similar. You see, you, 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 you did see a lot of the talent wearing masks, even though everybody wasn't wearing one early on when they first decided to go with using talent as the audience. But also you noticed uh, there was lots of times when they were like shooting some of the different talent and they were like in different trailers. Some of them were ringside. I think the gun, the gun club, like Billy and Austin gun were like uh, in trailers and stuff separated from the rest of the cast. Then once testing became a little bit more prevalent, they felt more comfortable just leaving everybody ringside. So you'll sort of see that evolution on screen because you know years from now when we, when we look at videos of this we'll see okay that was march of 2020 and nobody's wearing a mask we'll see uh, okay that's april okay wwe nobody's wearing a mask we'll see june okay that's after the outbreak and by the way i'm not i don't want to say that i'm saying this is fact these are rough estimates in my head i could be off by a month or two here or there as far as what happened but that's just an example of what you'll see as far as the history of coronavirus as far as we document this years from now within the world of wrestling but anyway now to get back with the second question you asked me most recently what measures that they can take to you know make sure that this doesn't happen i think with the i think the two outbreaks that wwe sort of had uh Initially, they weren't testing really anybody. We thought they said that everybody was being screened. And I think when you say screen, people assume they were being tested. When they said screen, they were doing what a lot of places were doing that didn't want to spring out for the test. They were like taking everybody's temperature. They were asking people if they had symptoms, but they weren't, you know, really testing anybody. So I think after the first big outbreak, I think that's when they did finally start testing everybody. I don't know to what extent and how often they were doing the test, but I think they did start testing anybody. But the main thing is for the companies is to continue to test everybody that's going to be in contact with anybody else. That's very, very important. That's very, very major. From there, it's, you know, making sure that the talent is aware. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think, I don't think there's anybody at this point who's not aware of what they should be doing now, but still, you know, you still want to put the emphasis when you have like a billion dollar company, make sure you're telling your employees, Hey, be socially distant. They'll be hanging out in large crowds without a mask. Don't be, you know, hanging out with people where, where you're packed in with people. You know, I, I think everybody pretty much at this point knows better, but still, sometimes you still have to remind folks, Hey, don't go to that bar. Hey, don't go to that beach party. You know, these places are going to be crowded. Don't go there. Even if you're wearing a mask, you know, you still don't want to be packed into a place with a bunch of people. Now, you want to be places where you can sort of spread out a little bit and have some, and, and have some you know, fresh air around you. Because what the virus has shown is if you're indoors in a tight location with a bunch of people, you're more likely to get it to somebody with it. If there's somebody with it, but you're outdoors or you're in a place with good ventilation, 
you're less likely to get it. So socially distance, wear your mask. If you're going to be places where there's people, try to be outside. <laughs> so those are the things that the you know the company can do, but they also have to instill on the the workers and the employees to make sure that they are following the policies and handling things correctly. No, exactly. And it's like, it, it's funny because we're all going to look back to the year 2020 and they're going to think like we have all these X's and social distancing mark- markers Like you wouldn't have predicted this like 10, 15 years ago. Right. It's just something that comes right out of the blue. And well, they knew about it in February or something. And, and then like when I first heard about it, I didn't think, I did not think it was going to get this bad. I thought it was going to be like H1N1, which honestly is kind of a similar thing, but this is more of a serious matter because now it's more has a bigger effect on public health. So uh, public health authorities just got to do more research, look into this thing. Well, we tough it out and have to follow the rules, whether we like it or not, pretty much. Yeah, and I have to be honest, when it first broke, you know, when I first started hearing about it a little bit in January, but, you know, didn't really take it serious because it wasn't here. Because, you know, we've had, like, these sort of false alarms previously as far as in America. Obviously, they weren't false alarms for some people. They might have got it in some major companies, but they had, like, SARS and uh, the swine flu and some of the other stuff that, you know, broke really, really bad in other places hadn't happened here. So I thought, okay, for the for about the first day, I thought, this is like, like I fell for the sort of the misinformation that was happening online. This is no worse than the flu, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I thought that for about a day. But literally after like the first day, when I actually had scientists and doctors talking about, hey, this is not like the flu. This is much worse. It's much more contagious. It's spread much more easily. I started taking a little bit more, you know, seriously, but still the numbers weren't there yet as far as how bad it had spread here yet. It really wasn't until I'd say late March when I really started looking into how serious it was because mid March is when it started, you know, really shutting down in my area, uh in, in northwest Indiana. Literally I did two comedy shows the March fourteenth and March fifteenth. And at that point they had already announced that they were starting to shut things down starting that Monday. So I was on the last couple of comedy shows in my area those two days. It was it, even then. It wasn't until like you know another two weeks when people actually started dying in any quote significant numbers. And I don't when I say significant, I'm putting significant quotation marks because obviously anybody dying is bad. But early March there was like I think it was still single digits. It started hitting like triple digits I think late March or early April. So that's when beyond just you know you know taking things seriously, that's when you really when I really started taking it to the next level as far as making sure I was being socially distanced and staying away people and avoiding people, you know, because, you know, that's when I, sometimes it takes those numbers for you to really understand because like you mentioned, we hadn't really had our experience with this here. The last major like sort of thing like this that we had had, it's been like a hundred years ago, you know, the Spanish, with the so-called Spanish flu, which was around World War One or just the end of World War One, that was the last time we had had, you know, this many people get sick and this many people dying from one single thing. We've had rough flu years, but as far as, you know, that many numbers, and back then they were wearing, they started wearing masks. I was, that was something I was not aware of. During the Spanish flu, a lot of people were wearing masks to help prevent the spread. So sometimes, you know, I, I think I try to be a, a student of history, but sometimes when history happens long enough, you don't get as many details. So, Looking back on, I started getting more from answers. Like, we really should have, you know, listened a little bit sooner collectively as a group. So, 
Yeah, exactly. Now, you say you do comedy, and you, you've been, been really good at it. My question for you is, are you familiar with a guy by the name of uh, Buttercream Dream Corey Forrester? No, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, what Where does he perform, or uh, is he national or international, or is he on TV? Oh, he's a national comedian. He uh, was on my podcast recently, and it was my first ever comedy interview. And he had some uh, nice uh, cameo appearances on HBO and things along those lines. He actually wrote a book about, uh, like, a liberal joke book about comedy, and he was on The View. So uh, from him being in the Georgia area and everything and you being a really good uh, comedian, I thought you would be aware of him. But, uh, you know, you've been doing some really big things yourself. Like, how many shows have you been doing now, like, yourself in total? Well, the weird thing is, I haven't like it's sort of been stop and start due to coronavirus. I just started my uh, open mic back on a weekly basis. I'm trying to do that and trying to maintain some social distance with it. So I'm just starting to get back into that. But I've done a few shows here and there. I've I've actually done a few shows online too, by the way. Because uh, when everything was shut down, comedy oh, went completely completely online for like I'd say about almost six months. <laughs> So I was doing some mics and some stuff there online. Matter of fact, my improv troupe just started started rehearsing again online. So we're doing that on Zooms. A little bit rough trying to do improv on Zoom because it's a little bit harder. But uh, as far as live comedy, like I said, I've done like I think two or three shows, regular shows as far as live since uh, the shutdown started loosening back up again. I've done like – I've been to my open mic maybe about three times. That started back three or four weeks ago. But also I had the hospital stuff uh, when I was in the hospital for like a – I've actually been in the hospital twice since the sort of coronavirus thing happened. The first time was like early February, right, when it was just starting to take off a little bit. But it wasn't necessarily a national concern yet. It was in the news, but we weren't really concerned about it here yet. So I was in the hospital February, and then I booked in that I was in the hospital again in August uh, – so that kind of shut down my comedy stuff too. Although it did provide me with a rare opportunity, I actually did a, uh, I actually did a set from my hospital room online. So that's something people can never take away from me. I did a, oh wow, online comedy set from my hospital room. But anyway, so yeah, so yeah, I definitely get. I get Do you like, feel like I, your comedy like kind of helped you? Uh, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there, uh, on, man. I, I was just asking like. Does your uh, comedy career, like, does that help you a lot with your wrestling podcasting career? Because, you know, VOC Nation, like, that's a pretty big network. So that did, did you take all those skills that you learned through your podcasting game? Because that's a whole new different experience. Yeah, I think uh, the, 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 the thing is they kind of work together. Uh, to, to a large degree, basically just hosting a podcast or hosting a radio show is just improv for the most part because you might – Basically, like if if I say, hey, I'm going to talk about the AEW dog collar match, I don't know what I'm going to say about it. I know I want to talk about it, but <laughs> what I actually say is, you know, just improv. And it's like my oh, thoughts, yeah. like what I thought about it. So improv, I'd say, helps more with the uh, podcast and stand-up us because stand-up, you pretty much have most of what you're going to say pre-written out. You, you might do a little bit of ad-libbing here and there, but stand-up is more about, you know, your pre-prepared remarks. Uh, podcasting and radio is more like, you know, you have an idea of what you might want to say, but you kind of just, you know, wing it from there. That's the one, that's, I'd say, I'd say the improv background is my biggest advantage as far as 
podcast as opposed to uh, a more sketch or more stand-up uh, thing because just just due to the nature of it. So. And do you think like this Eric Cantu and say tomorrow? You know, they found the vaccination. Everything's all taken care. Of, it's done. It's over with. Who would be the biggest star in the coronavirus era starting in March? You mean in comedy or in wrestling? <laughs> No, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, to go, go back on topic in wrestling. I'm just saying in wrestling overall. But if you want, you can throw comedy in too. But, you know, say this era came to an end. You know, there's no more coronavirus, there's a vaccination, and uh, this era is done and over with. Who would be the top star in WWE or AEW in terms of uh, just skill and uh, great matches and ability, even win and loss? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to give uh, two examples. I'm going to say... I think I don't know I don't know if it's necessarily the biggest star, but a, a guy that sort of will have maybe one of the biggest breakthroughs in AEW will be Orange Cassidy because he's sort of been flying a little bit under the radar, but a lot of he did have a big base. But it's been sad that he sort of had this big rise as far as his feud with Jericho, and there's been almost nobody in the crowd to directly enjoy it. I I can kind of tell from the buzz online and whatnot that people are enjoying it, but you still don't get the same feel that you get as far as, you know, being able to see a, a packed house pop for, like, the moment where Jericho goes into the Orange Mimosa. So I want to put Orange Cassidy at least as somebody who would uh, who wasn't necessarily the hugest national star before, but probably will be after it. In WWE, I'm going to give two examples. Uh, but these guys are both these, both the sort of guys that sort of had a bit of a bit of a reign, though. Roman Reigns with his heel turn is doing amazing work with that heel turn, and he hasn't necessarily had a lot of fans in the crowd to react to it and properly. But just listening to the online buzz about it and just seeing what I see about it and seeing the way different workers have talked about it, I think he's definitely going to be a big star coming out of it, assuming he can maintain the momentum that he's got. Uh, I also think Drew McIntyre would be a guy that's uh, who was sort of given this push but we really couldn't get to see the true reaction to it. So I think he's somebody that could be on that scale as well on the, uh, on the, on the other side. It, only time would tell because I haven't got the same read on him that I've got with sort of Orange Cassidy with Roman Reigns. But I do think people, you know, wanted to see another star sort of rise, you know, while he had the title. And we couldn't get the few view on what his title reign is, just to the fact that there's, since there's been nobody in the crowd, uh, the, the Thunderdome is is better than nothing, but it doesn't still fully convey what a crowd full of actual people. I just can't get not, in the Thunderdome. I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, I, I think part of the problem with the Thunderdome is it's cool that you can see sort of people's faces, but it's a weird snapshot where the fans yeah. look bigger on the screen than they would look in person. So it kind of throws you off. I think that's what the problem is. Plus, like, you can't necessarily see if they're standing versus sitting. Like, when you when you see a crowd full of people, when they pop and everybody stands up together and everybody's yelling at the same time, it looks different in person as opposed to the way it looks on screen. I think Thunderdome was one of those ideas that sounded yeah, really scary, but it just doesn't quite fully put – I mean, it's still better than an empty arena. But it doesn't quite pull off what you thought it was going to pull off once it actually happens in practice. 
Yeah, I, I hear your point there. And have you been able to get on the Thunderdome yet? Like, have you tried signing up or anything, or it didn't work no. for you? No, I didn't try because I don't really like watching stuff live for the most part. Even if I try to watch it the same night, I'll probably turn in like maybe 30 minutes after it t- starts. That way I can skip through the commercials. <laughs> and then maybe by the end of the show, yeah. I'll be caught up. That's even, that's even the way I watch football. I watch football. I'll start the game 30 minutes or an hour in. And then just between plays, I'll hit commercial skip, and then I'll skip through all the commercials. And then maybe by the end of the, you know, by the time I hit the first quarter, I'll be catching up to the end just because I don't want to watch commercials. I, I don't want to, I don't want to dedicate two, three hours oh, yeah, stuff if I don't have to. So, but yeah, but, uh, I'm going to go, go ahead. I go on Netflix the other day and I, I, I can tell like, sorry, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. No, no, no I was going to say I was taking commercial break, but I want to let you get that final thought in. Oh, yeah, I was going to get that final thought in is that there are a lot of commercial breaks. Uh, and you can tell when you watch Netflix, you know, when you see a, a show that's usually an hour, and it, sh- it shows like 38 minutes, some of them. It's like they, they go a lot of commercial time. And, yeah, I like advertising, but I don't like over-advertising. And even YouTube is throwing uh, ads in the middle of videos and sneaking in whatever they can because during the coronavirus, they know the advertising industry will thrive. That's all I wanted to throw in there. Uh, no problem. Like I said, thanks for adding it in there. Like I said, I, I am going to come back from the commercial break because, you know, like I said, with, with the show, with my co-host not necessarily being available, sometimes I cut the show a little bit short sometime lately. But I am going to do at least one more segment. Do you want to come back for the segment uh, after the commercial break, or do you need to go? No, I can stay, I can stay uh, until the show is done. I'm free the whole time. If you want me. Okay, well, like I said, I got two topics I want to talk about after the commercial break. I want to talk about WWE possibly moving the site for WrestleMania 37, and I want to talk about the updated roster after the uh, draft picks that were on SmackDown. So we'll, we'll talk about this a bit. Also, um, hopefully Brian will be able to join us for the last segment as well. You're listening to Wrestling With Problems, and we'll be back in just a bit. So don't touch the imaginary dial. This is the Slifter, the Doctor of Style, and you're listening to VOC Nation. Check out In The Room. Every Tuesday night at 9, listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kazzy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with history. The voice of choice and killer can resonate. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have cried? Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Dylan, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. 
Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. On Wrestling With Problems, we deal with two things, wrestling and problems. On the wrestling side, we cover the major feds as well as the indies. As far as problems go, we cover our problems, American problems, and world problems. Sometimes the problems are even related to wrestling. Every week, comedian King David Lane and wrestler, promoter, Chris Best discuss the best and especially the worst in the world of wrestling with a heaping dose of comedy. Check us out live on VLCNation.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, VOCNation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. And welcome back to Wrestling with Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. This is King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like on the free request as well as King David Comedy coming with the K on every major social media platform. I am joined by Brian Hunter at Brockbiz on Twitter. That's at B-R-O-C-K-B-Z-A on Twitter. How's it going, Brian? It's going excellent. And joining us from the earlier segment as well, special guest host Jordan Garber. And now we're going to, we're going to talk about a couple more things before we get out of here. Uh, we want, definitely wanted to talk about this Scott Hall thing. Uh, sadly, Scott Hall appears to have fallen off the wagon again. Uh, there was a situation where he was supposed to do a virtual meet and greet, and he was not able to do it. So I guess I'll go to Brian first on this. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Brian? Uh, it's another um, sad story with the bout of his addiction, and and that's why I'm a firm believer that um, addiction is nothing to be joked about. It's nothing to play with and confronted with it. Um, trying to get help as soon as possible, and that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Okay, just just to give a little bit more detail on what happened. Basically, he was doing a uh, virtual meet and greet session with uh, Dark Parlor Originals. It was a, obviously an online session. Uh, he was not able to. Uh, well, let's put it this way: the host of the program decided to end the session early. So uh, mm. think, think think about it. Think about how bad a shape you have to be where they think you can't do an online event. So. That's being in some sort of rough shape. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, 
basically, uh, here, here's the quote uh, from Steve Ruiz, who does uh, Worst with Dark Parlors Originals. He was being difficult. They got a late start. Mike was trying to get through everyone's orders in a timely manner, but Hall kept having issues with every inscription or request and had issues with how he rushed he felt. Influenced by meds or other substances, he was trying but wasn't in a mental state to push through so quickly with so many items in a four-hour period while being streamed live. Nash uh, could multitask, tell stories, and crank out signatures. So uh, basically, we do have to hope that he's – basically, we have to hope that he can get the help he needed. Uh, as far as uh, doing this, like I said, we've sadly had to tell these stories way too often with him. You know, every time we kind of hope that, okay, maybe this will be the time that he'll uh, get it together and this time will be fixed. But, and I say fixed in quotation marks because obviously once you're an addict, you're always an addict. There's no quote fixing. You just kind of kind of do the best you can and hopefully not fall off the wagon again, but it'll be a lifelong struggle, although for some people, the addiction struggles, I think, a lot harder for some people than others. Some people, you know, they get help the first time, and while they might struggle with it the rest of their life, they don't have any relapses. There's some people that don't uh, get the help they need the first time, and maybe the second or third time they finally get their stuff together. It just varies person to person, unfortunately, and uh Sadly, he's been one of those people that has been sort of an ongoing issue for years and years and years and decades now. So, anyway, uh, do you got any thoughts on it, uh, Jordan? Yeah, uh, it's just something that it comes to show that this guy needs more support now than ever and uh, an amazing contributor to our industry. And the thing is, is that this is happening to not just people like Scott Hall every day and not just independent wrestlers, but tons of entertainers. And it's important to be on board and stay on board and help people through addiction because you know what, man? Everyone has a story. You know, it's easy to be the one to judge the situation. I know Scott Hall has done it multiple times, but I think right now the only concern is getting him the proper and permanent help that uh, he needs to uh, overcome addiction. And uh, that's the only way the wrestling community can strive and be stronger is if we work together as a, a unit and a force to uh, make these guys feel nice and sober and healthy again. Absolutely. Like I said, sometimes it might be hard, but you, you, like you said, you got to remember, this is, like I said, this is disease. Nobody asked to be an addict. Uh, it's just something, unfortunately, that a lot of people don't know that they have it in them until it's too late. Because there's some people that can, you know, do any number of substances or can drink or do whatever they want. They can control it. And there's some people... That that's not the case. There's some people, you know, it's an unfortunate thing. You don't necessarily know until it's too late for a lot of people. So, anyway, let, let's move on to something uh, a little bit happier, I guess, in a way. <laughs> I guess it, it's not exactly happy, but uh, more of a lateral move, I, I'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, it doesn't look like WrestleMania is going to be taking place at Sophie Stadium in L.A. It looks like it's probably going to be take place at Raymond J Stadium in Tampa. Uh, Florida obviously is a little bit, a little, lot more open as far as the ability to have fans and events. That's that's one of those things you can probably say is that for better or for worse. But Florida is more open uh, as far as having fans and attendance. In fact, the Miami Dolphins Stadium is cleared to have full capacity. Again, I don't know, I don't think that's a great idea, but it is what's allowed. Hopefully, yeah, just, I agree. Not yeah hopefully. Yeah, hopefully just because uh, 
Raymond James might be allowed to have a full crowd at that point because it is in Florida. Hopefully, if if the uh, right conditions are not being met, WWE won't attempt to pack that stadium. But it'll obviously seems to be that Florida's more open than California to the number of fans they can have and opening events up. So it makes sense that WWE would try to move their event to a place that's a little bit more open. Obviously. May, obviously March or April is still a long time away, so uh, we don't know what might happen between now and then, but Florida is one of the states that's tended to be a lot hotbed because there's a lot of people that go down there and party and pass themselves on the beaches and sit in the bars because it's warm and they want to enjoy themselves. So There's a lot that can go wrong with that. There's also a lot that can go right with it. I'm leaning towards the part that this is more likely to go good than bad, but like I said, I do want to see, you know, fans in a WrestleMania event, but I'm hoping that they cap it at like maybe, you know, 15 to 20,000 where you can get enough space between people where people who don't go together can sort of, you know, space out. Cause I don't, like I said, even, even an unlikely event that the vaccine is developed and fully available at that point, it'll still take a long time for people to, you know, get into sufficient numbers where we'll think that it'll still be safe at that point. I don't think late March, early April is that point yet. So, uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on it? Well, for me, um, I'm I'm kind I'm kind of like um, at the point where okay, there's no easy way of saying. It. I'm just I'm just gonna say it like this. Plain and simple, they need to shut everything down, manage this um, COVID outbreak nationally, have an actual national plan. The state needs to also have a uh, contingency plan. And then uh, we, we, we're we not going to be doing anything until 2021 so we can get some type of normalcy back instead of, okay, open this up, close this up, open this up, close this up. And until I, I think everyone, um, as far as um, government and business, be on the same um and everything, we're going to be in this crazy, uncomfortable position as Americans. I agree. Like I said, honestly, I kind of wish we would just shut everything down for two weeks and then sort of start over and sort of reboot. <laughs> Let's do like WCW did back when Vince Russo was there. Let's just start over. <laughs> we'll pretend none of this happened. We'll just start over for two weeks. Like I said, after the two weeks is over. Hopefully that'll like you know mitigate a lot of stuff. Although honestly, even if we did that, there'll still be some people that'll sneak out and still they'll they'll be leaking. It'll basically be like a dam, where you know even if most of the structural integrity is there, there'll be some people doing something stupid and there'll still be some leaks and stuff. But hopefully that would make things a lot better. But uh, anyway, I'm I'm gonna move on to my last uh, subject that I have, and I'll let, let you guys have a little bit more time if you want to discuss anything uh, from the last week or just anything you want to discuss, but obviously SmackDown did their section of the WWE draft this year, and I do want to commend them for one thing. This year, the draft was actually a draft because every year they call it a draft, but there seems to be no sort of sense of their drafting. There's, like, trades every year, and then there's, like, picks being made. But it's not a pick in the sense it's a draft normally. A draft means everybody's eligible, or, you know, at least some people are eligible, and then you pick from that group. 
it just seemed like they were just sort of doing a lottery system last few, you know, basically every year the WWE's done a draft. They like sort of, it looks like almost like they spin a wheel and they just pick random people out of the wheel. At least this time they sort of did pods where, okay, we had this group of people and this group was eligibly picked, so everybody needs to be picked from this group. So what they ended up doing as far as the supplemental picks is Umberto Carrillo, Tucker, and Drew Gillick ended up on Raw. SmackDown and ended up choosing Murphy and Kalisto. <coughs> and then as far as that was the supplemental draft, the regular draft was Raw picked Drew McIntyre, who was their champion. They picked the Hurt Business, AJ Styles, Ricochet, uh, and Angel Garza, in addition to people I mentioned earlier. In the women's singles division, they kept their champion, Asuka, Naomi, Mandy Rose, and Nina Brooke. And they chose the Miz and Morrison for male tag teams. And, of course, the New Day. Because now, for some reason, we have the SmackDown Tag Team Champions on Raw. <laughs> Which makes literally no sense, because that's the entire reason why you have the belts. But anyway, hopefully that'll settle itself out later. I'm assuming that the Raw champions are going to be drafted to SmackDown, so that balances out. But who knows? And then women's tag teams, there's really, of which there's only really two right now. Nia Jax and Santa Basil are the women's WWE tag team champions on Raw. SmackDown roster is Universal Champion Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Jey Uso, Big E, Otis, Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, plus the people mentioned earlier, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, which I think was a nice pick for them, by the way. And then the five superstars uh, that are left that are sort of, quote, free agents. Chad Gable, Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metal League, Mickey James, and Elias. By the way, did anybody else forget about Elias? <laughs> Brian was less than yeah, I did Elias for a bit there. <laughs> yeah, I literally for- forgot he was there until I read his name just now. I think he was out injured though, so I'll I'll at least get him the benefit of that note. But he's one of those guys that like. Oh, it looks like WWE's gonna push him. Oh, they're not gonna push him. Oh, it looks like WWE's gonna push. Oh, they're not gonna push him. <laughs> he's he's been that guy for like a couple years now. So, but anyway, here's a separate pot that will be eligible to be drafted starting Monday. Uh, Andrade, Bailey, Alistair Black, Alexa Bliss, Daniel Bryant, Carmella, King Corbin, Apollo Cruz, Nikki Cross, Dabakato. I have no idea who the hell that is. Does anybody know who Dabakato oh. is? Dabakato. No. <laughs> No idea. Uh, yeah, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, Eric of the Viking Raiders, Lacey Evans, Charlotte Flair, Jeff Hardy, Billy Kay, Lana Keithley, Riddick Moss, Natalia, Titus O'Neil, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, R-Truth, Retribution as a group apparently, Matt Riddle, Riot Squad, the only other female tag team that I can find listed, Peyton Royce, Arturo's Ruas, Sheamus, Nakamura and Cesaro, the Street Profits, Braun Strowman, Tamina, Kira Tozawa, Zelena Vega, Bray Wyatt, Sami Zayn. By the way, is Bray Wyatt and the Fiend as to be drafted separately? Or, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's the news we got on the draft so far. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that's the news we got so far on the draft. Do you guys get any particular comments regarding the draft, or uh, do you want to move on? Uh, I'll go to Jordan first. Jordan first. Uh, Jordan, go I ahead. think. Yeah, no problem. I think, honestly, the draft right now is a good idea. And they're doing the best they can with this whole coronavirus and everything. Apparently, there's a lot of stars missing. Apparently, they said 150 or something like that. And they're still still able to work 
with a great line of talent and create good results. So I always was excited until there was a draft. You know, I started doing watching that in 2002, and every year I look forward to that. I, I was really upset when they took it away, but when they bring it back, it kind of creates like a refresher in terms of storylines and talents and everything. And you really do need that once in a while, especially in a tough time. It's always good to have new and fresh things, and it's always good to have a draft to do that. So I thought the draft was awesome. And I cannot wait for uh, Raw tonight, you know, to see uh, some more of it. And, and again, like I said, I, I reiterate, like I said, it's nice that the draft actually, quote, seems like a draft rather than we're just randomly moving people. Because they actually set it up where either way it goes, you can just sort of randomly move whoever you want anyway. But this actually looks like they're actually doing a draft as opposed to just randomly picking people names out of a hat. So hats off to them. They're actually booking it so it makes sense. But uh, Brian, your thoughts on it? Uh, we're going to be real quick. Um, at this point, I'm kind of on the wait and see. You got potential, but I'm going to wait and see. All right, sounds like a plan. Uh, at this point, we're pretty much out of the stuff I wanted to talk to. So, Jordan, if you had anything you wanted to discuss uh, before you go. Uh, no, guys, uh, I really appreciate uh, being on this podcast. If you guys want to do anything, go on DLCNation.com. Check out the archives of Jordan Garber now. If you like it, be sure to tune in the podcast every single Friday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I also do an interactive news update on Facebook every single day and answer questions as well. So, uh I just love talking wrestling. You're one of my favorite guys to uh, host with, and uh, it was good being on again as a guest. I really appreciate it. I uh, definitely check it out. Like I said, definitely check it out if you get a chance. And like I said, again, on all those and platforms that he mentioned. I'm sorry, it's go ahead. nice to meet you too, Brian. It was actually nice to meet you as well and talk wrestling with you. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Okay, and like I said, definitely check out Jordan Garber now and, and like him on social media. Uh, please please state your Twitter account because it's, uh, I don't want to get it wrong because it's not exactly the same as your name. But go ahead, uh, please state your Twitter account name. Yeah, you don't want to get it wrong, that's for sure. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyways, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jordan J. Garber. Jordan J. Garber. Because like I said, I, I, like I, said I, I do follow him on Twitter. But I'm used to calling him Jordan Garber, and that is not his name on Twitter. <laughs> like I said, you got to include the J. <laughs> so that's why I made Jordan sure not to, not to say it out loud because I didn't want to get it wrong. <laughs> but anyway, definitely uh, check Jordan out, and thanks for joining us, Jordan, man. You have a good week, man. You too, man. Take care. That's Jordan Garber, everybody, a friend of the show, and he's been on the show quite regularly. We enjoy having him. Uh, before we go, Brian, did you have any final thoughts before we go? Uh, okay, um, Warren, um, I, I will have, I will have to go with, um, the question of what the hell is Impact doing when it is so close to the, um, the, the annual pay-per-view on Bound for Glory. I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head as, um, probably you and Chris usually are when it comes to Impact. I'm, I'm not sure if... I, I guess it's the annual. I don't know what the hell uh, we're going to do, so we're just going to do something they usually go through every couple months. Two, um, I will have to go with uh, 
one uh, one of the um, bright spots in wrestling is um, the return of NXT UK. Um, they they have the Hedges Cup um, going on, and you may want to check it out for um, people who not too familiar with uh, NXT UK. They actually have solid uh, wrestling matches. Um, British Strong style is a um, slight different style than what we're used to over in America, but it's good wrestling. And um, to wrap it up, I would definitely have to um, take my hat off to Ring of Honor, and they're bringing back the Pure Championship. They currently have um, the second round of the Pure Championship tournament. So you may want to check that out on uh, ringofhonor.com and, and check out the archive. Yep, definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, I've been meaning to. I have not been able to keep up with Ring of Honor because I sort of fell out of the habit once they started uh, producing new shows. But I definitely want to check it out while I still, because I am technically still a Ring of Honor uh, Honor Club subscriber. So I'm definitely going to try to check it out in, in the next uh, few days. Anyway, thanks for joining me, Brian, and you have a great week too, man. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, and remember. If um, you have nothing else to do, remember, check out some of the um, other um, indie uh, wrestling promotions. Most Especially uh, uh, me, me and um, the Kings, uh, one of our uh, favorite major league wrestling. Most definitely. And like I said, hopefully they'll be coming back real, real soon with new programming. But if in the meantime, you can definitely check out their uh, Pulp Fusion so you can see what some of the superstars are up to right now or just, you know, see some funny promos or little skits too. So definitely check it out. Anyway, you've been listening to Wrestle With Problems. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the Wrestling Historian with Craig Legon every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at VOCNation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact. Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. And former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern. And, of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And, by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. 
What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. The morning after, right here on the VOC Nation Radio Network, Brady Hicks and... Homeboy Rap Boy here. I tell you what, we got a good show right here in the afternoon at 12 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time on the VOC Nation. Talking wrestling, football, news, whatever's going on in the world today. VOCNation.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. I came looking for booty. I like you and I want you. Now we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. Well, I don't think you and I will be doing anything any kind of way.